Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Holo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. We continue Sports Month with the TV sports docuseries All or Nothing. And then later we talk about endurance and character. But before we do that, Sigs, let's catch up. What's going on pop culture wise? How are you? Yeah, Easter just passed and we're, yeah. we're back into like a little bit mm-hmm. of better weather right. and uh, a little bit of rain, but that's all good. First thing, during the Easter holidays, my kids had made me book tickets for the Super Mario movie. <laughs> I so saw on your social it. media. You saw the kid, my kids were dressed up. So if you follow they me on Instagram, so cute. Delaney was wearing a Super Mario hat. My son was dressed as Yoshi. Yeah. The movie was, you know what, it was a solid 90 minutes. My kids had a great time. They were a little bitter because I didn't get them tickets to we didn't see it in 3D. Oh. And I'm sure we're gonna go back and see it in 3D. <laughs> Mac was just like there's not very many Yoshis, but if you watch the Stingers, there's an illusion mm. and he was very excited. What's very funny is that Mac and Delaney, they were totally enraptured. Like, my son was practically giving us, like, I don't need to hear, like, a commentary for every single single thing, but he totally was doing it. <laughs> but what was great is the Bowser character was voiced by Jack Black. Now, right. you and I both know Jack Black from mm-hmm. Tenacious D, and he's yeah. just a ham. So he sings like an ode to Peach because he wants to marry her. My right. kids loved it. And <laughs> had me download the song. It's just like Peaches, Peaches, Peaches. And, you know, in his candor, <laughs> very School of Raw, very Jack Black. Wonderful. I'm wondering, I don't know if you heard it, I'm wondering if he'll get nominated for an Oscar for song. Oh, I think it would be great. Oscar nominated Jack Black. I think that has a sound. Like, it's very funny. And it's very funny to hear a six-year-old and eight-year-old try to mimic his baritone like, like they get right into it look if an oscar song is can sing about pimps for example like exactly pimps and pimps and hoes and hating canada yeah i think peaches could be a contender hey all that we need to know is does it move the plot along and if it moves the plot along then that's a good sign that it could be an oscar nominated song absolutely and is it emblematic of the movie do you close your eyes and you think of the movie yes you do (laughs) so i think so i think so Wow. Yeah, the kids loved it. So I'm sure if whether your nieces or nephews are watching it, it, it was pretty much fun. The other out, thing yeah. is, I've talked about this a lot. I'm still hooked on the Abbott Elementary show. Yes, I'm sure we'll yes. probably do a deep dive in it in season six. Yeah. But what's amazing, it's nearing the end of the season and episode 21 last Wednesday, Janine Teagues, the character played by Quinta Brunson, the main character, who's just like this amazing school teacher, sort right, of like right. the heroine, very Leslie Nope which is great. She talks about her mother being like absent-minded and she having a sister she didn't get along with. Now they did some amazing casting. So Ayo Debris from The Bear played her sister mm-hmm. and then they showed her mother and I didn't know who's playing her mother and I saw it in the Twitterverse and I'm like, holy crap, it's Taraji P. Henson plays her mom. <laughs> Oh, and even the lead up, Jazzy, you would just love the exposition at the beginning where she's in her classroom with her kids, and then she pauses and she hears clickety clack of heels, and she's like <laughs> holding the kids. She's like, "Do you hear that? Do you hear that, you guys?" She's like, "Don't say so, say so." And Taraji Panson comes in full out as Valette Teagues, and 
coming in. She's been oh, asked, I'm dying. Oh and, my god. Yeah, and like she isn't the perfect mom because Janine sort of alludes to it, and she has like a mm-hmm. work mom played by the lovely Cheryl Lee Ralph, Barbara. Barbara is very protective of Janine and yeah. she just suffered a breakup and she's trying to be more independent and become, you know, fully autonomous as a single woman trying to doing her teacher job. And she does an amazing job and her mom is a little disconnected. So that plot line was really great. Tugged at the heartstrings. I can't wait for you to catch up and watch it. But yeah, we're tra- yeah, we're yeah. Taraji P. Henson, who has cookie vibes and stuff <laughs> coming in with amazing hair. Like she just got out of the club, just clicking in. And I'm like, it was amazing casting. I'm like, of course, anyone should fight to be on that show. You gotta I'm love sure it. Many, so like, I'm sure Angela Bassett, everybody, Holly, they're like, yeah, I yeah. Be on, like, I'm an elementary, but for Taraji P. Henson to pop up, and I'm like, oh, yes. <laughs> it oh, just works. she is a treasure. She's a treasure. She is, cookie yeah. or not. She's just lovely. And okay, I'll have to watch out for her on season You need two. to watch it. You would love yeah. it. Michael would love it. I yeah, sure I think he will. will. love it. Yeah. But absolutely. What have you been up to pop culture-wise? Two things. So yes. we have finally seen Blackbird on ah, Apple Television. Thoughts, Plus. thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. Yeah, with Taryn Egerton. Really great performances, actually. And sometimes That's I just amazing. think to myself that... Wow, like it's a limited series, but I feel like I'm watching two or three different movies and stuff like that. It's cinematic. It, it's it, really it cinematic. It's like, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Acting's really amazing, based on a true story. And then just kind of, okay, how to catch a killer. Like, will this other guy catch the killer? And you kind of get a sense of, yes, he, he's going to be caught. But then the question is, how? And that's kind of what you're waiting to see and if he's going to be clever enough to be able to outwit the murderer here right. and really solicit a confession, which is what this is all about. And he's got like a finite timeline. So we're also kind of up against the clock on all of this. So really suspenseful, thriller, smart, cinematic, it's kind of like, wow, television these days, it's more than just kind of your regular drama that you're telling about something like wonderful storytelling. And again, like it kept me enthralled throughout the eight or nine episodes. That, that what it, is the name of the gentleman that plays like, the, I guess the villain, like the the I, when I see that guy, oh, right, right, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, Paul Michael Hauser, something like that. That guy has been in tons of movies. He was in Itania. He was yes, in, that's right. He was in Cruella. Yes, yes, yes. And that's for right. him to play this sinister this weak-minded i'm sure as soon as you saw him you're like your head's like analyzing oh my goodness what is, totally. is this guy coming and he from plays, he plays he like plays so that good. perfectly yeah yeah paul yeah. paul walter hauser yes that's right Paul walter hauser yeah like amazing a really actor. great counterpoint yeah amazing yeah. quite chameleon you know when i looked him up it was like oh yeah you were in cruella like i totally forgot that he yeah was in cruella. so like totally made me just kind of forget that he was even in in that but like wonderful acting as he played the murderer slash pedophile larry hall right it was just fantastic you were just waiting to see him you know like is he going to be caught and is he going to be able to yeah. export taryn eggington's character james Keene? and then ironically enough and i had forgotten about this but ray liotta had passed away and so that's right so this that's was right. one yes. of the last things, things that he was in and so it was also kind of touching to see his last set of performances and stuff oh excellent i'm so glad you liked it yeah what else I know that you're going to talk about this. Yes, the other thing that I've been caught up on pop culture-wise is that the America's Next Drag Superstar has been finally crowned. So the finale of season 15 Mm -hmm. just recently occurred. And so watched that this past weekend. I was off by a day while everyone else was watching it last Friday. I watched it the next day on Saturday. Let me tell you, when these things happen, 
I have to like stay away from all like earmuffs. Like, yeah. No social media. It totally is. Cause <laughs> like it, it totally it's is. Yeah. And I have to say now, spoiler alert listeners, if, if you watch RuPaul's drag race and you don't know who the season 15 winner is by this point, I can't help you. Right. But I totally <laughs> thought that Sasha Colby was the rightful winner in this season. I mean, I yeah. would have been happy with any of them, but really for me, it came down to either Sasha or Anitra. And, you know, Anitra cheering for her because she's she also identifies as being Filipino. And so that's kind of <laughs> fun to see. I don't know, Sasha just had grace and finesse and mm. just had it all. And so I'm glad that she won. There are some years that it's like, okay, I can kind of see it. And sometimes I, f- I feel that the choice was political, but I think this one truly was based on talent amongst all the girls that had competed in season 15. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing pop culture wise is kind of finally catching up and actually being on time for season 15 and watching that competition. So from drag shows and drag competitions, we move to hockey and hockey competitions, which (laughs) is, of course, today's topic as we continue our theme of sports for the month of April. And so what we both had on assignment was really to look at this sports docuseries called All or Nothing. So Sigs, tell us a little bit about this documentary, and then I'll tell the listeners a little bit too on how we came to suggest this and how I to find out about this particular piece of pop culture. Um, so All or Nothing is a docuseries that is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And it, this documentary has five episodes. It covers the Maple Leaf and the journey to, into the playoffs in 2021 amid the pandemic. Now, it's funny, when we were talking about setting up our episodes this year, Jez is like, have you ever seen All or Nothing? I'm like, no, I've never, never heard of it. Mm-hmm. What is it? He goes, it's a docuseries. And I think this will lead up to how you found the docuseries. It's like, I was a little like, okay, sure. We got to be open. Like, we can only Things, talk with I love that about you. It's like, <laughs> I suggest stuff. And you're like, you know, instead of like, oh, I'm not interested. It's like, okay, let me see what it has to offer. And I'm glad that I exposed you to this. But I have to say, like, this is not something I would normally have watched. But I remember just looking for stuff to watch one summer on Amazon Prime and then came across All or Nothing. And at the time, what caught my interest was the New Zealand All Blacks, just because they've got all this lore around them. And I wanted to know a little bit more about it and then was just enthralled. And then after that, it was like, oh, my God, they have All or Nothing, all these different NFL teams, these other soccer teams. Soccer leagues, yeah. When I finally saw the one come up on Maple Leafs, it was like, I think we should watch that. And I think we that we should maybe take it all in, especially because it's Canadian. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel the same way, Sigs, but, and I know that I've got like notes for myself to talk about this later in the podcast, but we can also talk about it now, which is yep. hockey has not always been something that I've gravitated to. And I think, yeah. I think it's because our families weren't necessarily exposed to it or know anything about it. I agree. You know what? Growing up in St. Catharines, Ontario, I think... In grade school, I think I was one of the only boys that didn't play hockey. Yeah, and I would say the one same of the very me. few. You yeah, know, and, and everyone would... seemed to know how to play hockey, or everyone seemed or they to watched know. it. Yeah, they like, watched you know, it. It was on CBC, or they would just be like, "That's something that you do." And I remember in St. Dennis the school I went to, they were part of the St. Dennis. I want to say Catholic Hockey League, and they all had these green jackets. Mm. And sometimes they would come to school a little bit tired. I'm like, "Why are you guys tired?" They're like, "Oh, we had hockey practice before school." Right. And it was sort of a thing. And I have to tell you something. My mom's like, my mom and dad were talking about this, and I was just like, 
so hockey people play that and my mom was just like do you want to play that i'm like no mom was like well good because i'm not taking you those early practices it costs a lot of money and all that stuff and i i mean there was no interest for me i knew how to skate but i was just like eh, like nothing and it's something i felt was part of like a cultural identity hockey is it's our national sport i think also curling is but it's because it's one of the most watched sports hockey is emblematically like it's canadian it's like, emblematically canadian yeah. if you look at the nhl Apparently, 40 to close to 50% in any given year of all the hockey players are Canadian. And then after right. that, it's 25% are American. And then you've got Swedes and then Russians and then Czechs, yeah, Czechs, Eastern Europeans yeah, exactly. and stuff like yeah. that. I have to say, like, as first generation Canadians, hockey seemed quite foreign and it seemed that everyone knew something about hockey. And so coming up to this sports docuseries on Maple Leafs, it's like, oh, like this is an interesting way to kind of understand a little bit more about the sport, you know, short of asking some of our friends to kind of like sit down with us and kind of go through it. But I think just seeing the behind the scenes makes me appreciate more what's going on on the ice in a lot of ways. So for me, kind of watching the show and then to find out in the end that they, you know, of course they didn't win the Stanley Cup or else I I would have known this amidst being in this city in Toronto. But it was really heartbreaking to watch this season of All or Nothing focus on the Maple Leafs. Since again, we know that they wouldn't ultimately not advance to win the Stanley Cup. I have to agree with you. And I think this, it's a great series. The production value is fantastic, but like, it's almost a primer. If you're not familiar into it, like after watching the five episodes, I'm like, damn, I, I should be watching hockey. Like it was really familiar. It's really engaging. And the way that they approach it, whether, and you're going to talk about the arcs that they cover, it's not just about the players. They talk about the general manager, like mm-hmm. and stuff. And the general manager who looks like to me, like he's 10. Like he looks like <laughs> a baby. Does. And I'm like, you are a brilliant kid. Like, are you 25 yet, Kyle Dubas? But like, he looks so young. And he's even so the young. head coach, Keith, he looks young to me or yeah, whatever. He's in like, his forties, right? He's in his forties so, or whatever. Yeah. But like, they look so sprightly and there's so much about the game and it's not just the players it's motivating them and finding what makes them become a team and i know you'll talk more about it but like it gave you an inside look and i would highly recommend i mean this is, i know this isn't our taste test but i would recommend people to watch this just if they want to learn more and it might make you like a hockey fan because i was like oh i can see why my friends like Renee Rabu, I'm talking to you. You love hockey and it's that love of the sport and stuff. And, and your your wife loves hockey too. My right? wife does. And like yeah. my wife's a Jason Spezza fan. And yes. she's like, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Jason Spezza is on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But it's so funny, you barely see him and he pops up because he talks about coffee. And then like in the last episode, Break My Heart. Yeah. He's really there rallying the troops and stuff because, you know, he knows how to rally troops because of like Ottawa senators. But right. <laughs> it, it's key. And it, it isn't just about the players. And it is because they do some lovely little tips about the families. And and I love that like each player when they come in, oh yeah, they introduce like like Mitch Mariner as an example, but then they always go to their draft in like 2016. Right. And they look yeah. like infants. They look like babies. Like, like to see Campbell, them being drafted, yeah. When Campbell get drafted, he looks like prepubescent. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? And he grows up into this wonderful person, which we'll talk about more. But so much about not the business, but the whole architecture behind what makes a team go, what makes the Maple Leafs go. Not just their players; it's the medical, it's the strategy, and with it being behind the this landscape or this backdrop of the pandemic in 20 which was only two years ago kuya like it's 2022 now and i was like yeah holy crap like yeah in the midst of it and 
it was just an intriguing show. Like I thought it was great. Like, intriguing was- is a great way to describe it. And I liked how you framed it as a primer for anyone that doesn't know too much about hockey. And if anything, I felt like, oh, it gave me a total study on the Toronto Maple Leafs and why to yes. cheer for them. And so yeah. you're right. <laughs> I'm now interested. And it's in a day's time for 2023, the Maple Leafs are yet again in NHL playoffs and will be right. up against Tampa Bay. And it's like, oh, I feel prepared to watch it now, right? Like, I feel like I can actually watch a hockey playoff without necessarily needing too much explanation or needing mm-hmm. to ask our friend Jeff, Jeff, can you tell me what's going on here? You exactly. Know, and and exactly. not annoying him. The interesting part of what you've been kind of alluding to is the setup of this show. It really shows the long history of the Leafs. And again, mm-hmm. how they haven't won the Stanley Cup since 1967. And that this dream team of Dubas and Keefe, the general manager, and yeah. the, are assembling the dream team to win the series. And so the first arc of the show really focuses on finding the right combination of players, which is very similar to like finding the right combination of people in life to be around so that you can kind of obtain greatness or achieve greatness. And I would almost say that this also applies to families as well. So found that that first arc of like okay we're getting together the dream team and trying to make things before the draft players trade deadline and stuff like that again wonderful metaphor for families for work something that stayed with me was enjoying how felino says how we don't need anyone to be great we just need everyone to do their job Interestingly enough, now he's on the Boston Bruins team. But uh, yeah, you... I was going to ask you, he's in he's with Boston now, right? Yeah. yeah, he's in Boston. But the, the first arc of the show really focuses on that. And I just really appreciate that. It's like you need to get the right combination of people doing their job so you can all achieve greatness. I don't know if you walked away with something similar in that I first think so. arc. And I think also, too, they gave you a bit of a backstory where if it wasn't working, so like yeah, Fred Anderson, yeah. where they're like, he's doing his best, but it's just not working. And then you see the evolution of Campbell, who I have to highlight him because I I think he's great. He's Campbell totally comes great. In, yeah. And he comes in and like, not only does he set a record in the NHL for 11 straight games winning as goalie, each time like his team cheers him, what does he say? He's like, no, we're a great team. He doesn't take team. a compliment. And also, yeah. he went the first one, and I was dying because my friend Ray laughed because we talked about Red Lobster yeah, in the yeah, previous yeah. episode. And Campbell tells Hull, who was the defenseman, goes, hey, man, thank you so much. He hugs the defenseman on that yeah, first yeah, one. Yeah. And he says, I'm taking you to Red Lobster. I know. And, I'm like, <laughs> and a ginger ale. And I was like, how wholesome and kind was it? And even like, he's doing all these things, Jamie. I want to say Jamie, because I worked with a guy named Jamie Campbell and he looks mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. But Campbell, or they call him Soupy. Soupy. There's just this genuine thing about him. And even like, they're propping him. He's like, no, we're a good team. We work together. Like right. my win is is your win. And right. it's that genuine, it's so earnest. And to see that refreshing and like, when you see the fifth episode and him crying. Oh, like I know. Like, that oh, was so heartbreaking, right? Like, I had to watch the last 15 minutes before we recorded. And I'm like, oh, Campbell, man. Like, you got to. Oh. And he puts his heart into it. He works so hard. And even with Dubas and Keith, is like, we're starting with him. Right. This is our right. decision. And you get to see that back behind the doors of like, this is how we make decisions and how yeah. they're not putting it up. And they have this lovely magnet board, which you and I, you oh, and I know so that, that organization of like, yeah, oh, totally. have all the stats in it. I'm like, I would play with that board to be like, okay, this person all the goes time. In. And they have those like 
uncomfortable conversations where you really don't see they're like oh these are the expectations or where we're at or i know you'll talk about the second arc with when people run into injuries what happens like yeah. let's talk about the second yeah. arc the second arc of the show really was about demonstrating how the team then got plagued by bunches and bunches of injuries during the pandemic and to me I don't know if you found this fascinating. I found this fascinating to then watch the whole industrial medical rehabilitation complex behind the leaves. Like there were like a team of rehab experts and doctors and state of the art equipments, these TENS machines that were like super industrial. I was just amazed at like the team of people behind them, making sure that they were trying to get them in the most healthiest and best shape possible before the game, unless having been put on the injury list. And if even they were put on the injury list, all the rehabbing, like that was their job. Then their job was to get back to the team or to get off the injury list. And I just thought, wow, like amazing, amazing, amazing. Like it was just incredible to just see the physical therapy that they all had to do, especially if they got injured after the game. And I loved it because the, the doctors were tied right to them. Like even when you, they yeah. had like, the, not the confessionals, what do you call them? The, the headshots or I can't remember like the technical term when they do the interviews, like they were with the doctor and like yeah, immediately, totally. right? And they're trying to give the inform, okay, what's wrong? This is what's happening. And then you see the cutaway to Sheldon just being like, I can't comment on his injury. I hope they're doing well. We'll keep you guys updated. Right. And you see that backlog, like all that extra work behind the scenes that they're doing. And yeah. you see some people like, who, was it Felino that even said, he goes, I'm not built to watch. No, like, no, no, no. more pain. <laughs> yeah, he was saying everything. that to his dad and Wendell it, Clark. And Wendell Clark cameo. But like, yeah. and I'm like, it's so right. And you just see them. And even with Tavares, like he's healing. He's okay. Uh, like, this is what we're fighting for. Like, it's just. That post-concussion injury was like yeah. so hard to watch. Like, even though we were watching it dramatized, I'm sure it was even harder probably to kind of watch that live as that was going yeah. on, on during 2021. But yeah, like lots of injuries that they were plagued with. And how were they going to kind of bounce back from all of that? And then, of course, the, the last arc of the show really was demonstrating a quick collapse of the Leafs during oh. the first round of playoffs against the Habs. And oh. gosh, it, you know, it, and again, it, it's, it's very up strong, but despite Tavares's head injury, such a devastating disappointment where the team falters and seems to lose their, you know, in my mind, at least a killer instinct. They were so dominant during the season and... Oh, yeah. Head of the North Division, which was created. Yeah, right? yeah, right, totally. Like, getting right back out there. And, like, I don't think sometimes people are like, oh, they're just playing a sport. I'm like, they're focused their minds on it to improve. Yeah. Or, like, what are they doing wrong? And you see these shots of them. Okay, we're going to analyze this tape. They're all sitting down there. What do you need to focus on? Or they're in front of a computer and they have one of the guys, like, on defense, you need to focus on this. And, like... There's so much more to it. No one's like a dumb, what do they call that before? Like, no one's just not a yard ape, just, yeah, yeah. you know, giving people checks or whatever, body checks or whatever. No, they're thinking logically and strategically. And how do you train better? How do you take care of your body? And how do you get the best performance out of yourself on the ice? Right. Yeah. I really like that inside look with it. And it's just like, it was heartbreaking. I mean, had first of the division and then for playoffs to blow by the fabled, you know, these habitants, like, it's always been a Montreal, and they talk about the history of Montreal versus Toronto for yeah. so long. Yeah. And it's that primer of like, oh, it's so bittersweet. And just to see them hang their heads and, you know, to tears that like it didn't work this year. So what do we need yeah, to do? Yeah, they were be so better. devastated. Yeah. yeah. And I know that Dubis said this at the end of episode five, the end of the series, which, you know, he's never seen such 
team be so devastated by this loss because I think they were built up to be this dream team. And in fact, these were all excellent players. And, you know, the pundits were like saying Dubis is kind of creating that dream team and checking off everything that they need so that they're well-rounded both on defense and offense and all of that stuff. So when you think about it, it's like, okay, they had everything going. So what kind of unwound them? I think it was these high expectations really that I think started to unwind them. I I didn't know if you got the same kind of feeling. I just thought, oh, I wonder if the expectations crushed them in in some ways. And that that was just being talked about so often and so much that it eventually got into their heads, along with the pressure of needing to kind of fulfill a legacy dream of like, oh my God, it's been 55 plus years and, you know, we need need to win, right? You know, we need to win the Stanley Cup, let alone get through the first round of the playoffs. I think you cited that perfectly. And in the sense of too, like, it's not that false, like confidence, like they work so hard to win the North division. And then Mm -hmm. you go, I I always think of the word crestfallen. Yeah. No, that's a good way of describing it. And it's just like, but with these sports or whatever, there's always a winner and a loser. And, and that's the unfortunate part, you know. Yeah, the, yeah. Put it back. I think I have a new respect the Maple Leafs after seeing this docuseries, because I know people talk shit about stuff, but I'm like, after seeing this, and I went, maybe they should have docuseries for each of the teams. Yeah, yeah. Um, it gives you such insight. Total. You know, it puts a picture to the face of, you know, of Simmons and, you know, Campbell or Anderson or and Anderson and yeah. even like Spezza. Like, what do they work for? And it's that part of being a professional athlete and the things they deal with. And just even at the end, they're just like, I need to do better. We need, it didn't work out, but I need to do better. It's just that consistent, just that thing of like, this is the journey and I I need to endure. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll we'll get into that in a second in terms of like our, our culture capital topic. But I think that I've walked away or one of the takeaways for me is that wins are made of not only great players, but players who work well together, which I think is what you were alluding to. And the other thing that you were alluding mm-hmm. to as well is that wins are also made out of consistency with respect to the team. There was something that they were showing in during the regular season, how they would do really well and then they would dip and then they would they do really well again and then they dip and then they dip at the end. And I think some of that inconsistency you know, or not being consistent enough with something that they had to kind of contend with. And then I also think too, like what makes them win is probably the coaches being able to make hard decisions of making trades or calling Campbell to be the starter for goalie for the playoffs instead of relying on who's been head goalie, if I can kind of term Anderson that way. Mm -hmm. That's one piece that I'm going to take away. The other couple of pieces that I'm going to take away is that how everyone wants to be part of a legacy. Like you could just, oh yeah. Feel, like even if they were with some other team in the NHL for 10 seasons, they probably think of themselves as a Maple Leaf at the end if they were somewhere on the team, even if it was for one year. That was incredible to me, was just thinking about, wow, like what a legacy and why everyone wants to be a part of that legacy. I'm curious to know what you're going to take away from the series. I concur with you. Whatever. I just it just opened my eyes. I thought like it gave me a little bit more of a background to hockey mm-hmm. and the love for it. And I think a lot of the things I never thought about, you know, the responsibility of the general manager and the head coach, like really taking their job seriously. And they're not easy decisions. No. Like at the end of the no. day, I loved it when they were trying to do the drafts, like we're gonna get this person. And you could see Kyle Dubis was like, Okay this is my plan and he's trying to be very broad and then just the setup of like, okay, we're getting you, this is what we're doing. And there's a reason to this madness of why I'm bringing Felino on. And then it just makes it even much more like. 
and wonderful you have and you're to like trade. oh his dad played for toronto too and yeah yeah all that stuff those legacy pieces and such a big bigger machine and there's just those jobs where like whether you're a statistician for a team and stuff like that it plays well it feeds into the big beast of the toronto Maple Leafs and well any professional sports league, any professional there's sports. so much more yeah, it's sure. so much more bigger than you think and i really like how this docuseries really told their story yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it told no matter it how well. bittersweet, because when it's just five episodes, you're like, oh. But I think it was. It's a wonderful story. I think it, yeah. I it was really well. Really it great. totally caught my attention, and it's just like it's going to make me watch the playoff runs for 2023 with that much more interest. Especially I, since I, there's a Filipino, American Filipino, yeah, American she, on it. Yes, Nick Robertson, yes, yes. who plays for the Leafs. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really important to kind of recognize too that it's like, yeah, it is probably rare to see Filipinos in NHL in professional hockey. And I think I said this at the beginning of the episode, like access to hockey, I think as Filipino Canadians really seems foreign. And I think a lot of it has to do with just understanding hockey and the game. And as we had talked about at the beginning too, not understanding it almost seems to take away this idea that we could be Canadians because it's so intricately linked to cultural identity. And I have to say it, it was difficult for me to take interest in it because again, didn't have parents that, you know, followed hockey or even understood the sport. And I had lots of friends just like you that watched or participated in hockey, but didn't know too much about it. And over the years, I've really come to recognize that this sport requires a couple of things or three things, really. Money, because it's expensive, as as your mom had recognized really early on. <laughs> yeah, And it requires mentorship, someone to kind of explain the game to you. You know, and I think when we see these kind of flashbacks during the all or nothing of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and you see all of these hockey players being drafted or like hand to the draft... Yeah. You know, these kids have been playing since they were four years old. Yeah, babies. Yeah, babies. Right. So they've mm-hmm. probably had a lifetime career already before being drafted into the NHL at this point. And so that's a lot of mentorship and also community. And I think that that's the other part is having a community that would support you. So I think like that's kind of where the future of this sport hockey lies. I think it's in these development programs that are being put out there by Hockey Canada, or what I've been really paying attention to is like Scotiabank's Hockey for All programs, where they really focus on diversifying hockey in Canada. So bringing people that would not normally come to it, just like you or myself, or, you know, your kids or my nephews and nieces, like if they were ever potentially interested that now there's a pathway into this sport as opposed to traditional Canadian ways. That's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of what I'm going to be taking away after watching this docu-series. What I'm also taking away from this docu-series is the appreciation that I now have about hockey is, is that it really requires endurance because I don't know if you thought this, but those 56 games that they had to play, pandemic. 56. Yeah, I think it was 56. Yeah, you're right. It grueling, like really grueling. Like they would show like only snippets of each. And you just saw how hard these guys were working. And I'm like, oh my God. And then like seeing how grueling the playoff is. When we're watching it, every time they won a game, they put something in there, like they put a hockey like in the in their up Stanley with the Cup. Pucks. Yeah. yeah. And I was just thinking to myself, oh my God, like it took forever and a day probably, and all their heart and soul into it. It's to win that particular game. And they had to maybe win it, what, 16 times or 12 times or whatever it was. I'm just like, that's crazy making to me how grueling that was. And it just makes me think about kind of like our culture 
capital topic, which is really about endurance and character. And Sigs, when I think about endurance, I always think about it as the ability to sustain a talent or one's talent over time. And instead of giving up or giving in, really endurance is about having the physicality to keep performing that exercise over and over and over again, over a long period of time. When you think of endurance, what do you usually equate it with? It's funny because I remember having hockey cards as a kid and I remember endurance was on the card and I didn't know what that meant. And my mm-hmm. mom sort of said, it's like sort of like, like keep on going amidst obstacles you have to withstand. Wow. So you just endure and like without using the word endure and explaining it, I always thought I'm like, you just keep on going amidst all these obstacles. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. can you do it? And that's why I was like, oh, it's interesting. Cause I remember reading like endurance, what does that mean? And I think in the case of like, when I say withstand, I think in the sense that I like how you highlight it, it's to sustain. Right. Like to, to keep on going to, I always think of just keep on going. And after seeing the stocky series and stuff like you're right, it's the physicality. That's why there's training. That's why there's right, right. mental toughness or, okay, we need to think like, you know, with a strategic type of lens in it, because it's 56 games is a lot. And 56 games where you have to play five of them within, you know, seven days without time off during a pandemic when people are sick, it's very demanding. It is. You need that endurance. I think what's also interesting is in North American culture, I think sometimes in North American culture or Western culture, we think endurance is equivalent to not only kind of sustaining one's talent over time, right? Mm -hmm. But it's being able to sustain pain or have a high tolerance or threshold for pain over a long period of time. Have you kind of heard that kind of notion out there in terms of thinking about endurance? Like you should be able to- No pain, no gain. Yeah, no pain, yeah. No pain. I know. Yeah. And that's exactly kind of what I was thinking is, yeah. is, is that's the definition of endurance. And I think that that's true to some extent. However, when you pair endurance with a positive mindset, that pain almost disappears. And mm-hmm. then it becomes the ability to embrace failure. And I think once you have that combination where you're doing something for a period of a long time, but you mm-hmm. don't feel as much fatigue or pain then you start to have stamina. And I think that that's really important. Like, and I don't think we talk enough about that, where you're able to perform with a non-fatigued mindset is really what that kind of comes down to. What are your thoughts on stamina? I do feel like it's paired, but I never thought of that, what you just said about to embrace failure. Mm -hmm. I never thought of that balance because there's something about, God, psychological when you just say that. Because when I read that, when I was reading your notes, I'm like, oh, that's true because if you have that sense like i'm going to keep on going but i have to admit or whatever there might be a chance of failure but i'm going to still it's that perseverance yeah it is like i find it like because i'm like oh that's so i guess wise to me i'm like oh that's true like to keep on going you're like you're gonna have to like go in there and to be like it might not work or you might be stopped or something like that and if you almost not admit but like have that mindset like okay it might come to this and that's okay. Then you just make, you got to keep on going. Then you build that stamina. Like just when that phrase where you say that, when you embrace the failure, I'm like, that is so true. You, you would never think that. You know, it almost seems counterintuitive to both have a positive mindset and embrace failure at the same time. It's that idea that, or another way to think about it is embracing failure is also the ability to be humble while in competition. It's kind of like we get into competition and we get into sports to see 
and to push ourselves to be the best that we can be. It's actually a pursuit of excellence in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And to get to that place of excellence, you need to have endurance, but you can have endurance and hate every moment of it, or you can have endurance and be like, no, this is part of the journey. No, I may fail, but that's okay. I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep trying and I'm going to keep trying to overcome all those obstacles that you had talked about earlier. But once you have all of that, then that's when I think you have stamina, which again is both mental and psychological fitness in some ways or a non-fatigued mindset. And I think that that's really important or else you can end up becoming defeated. The other thing to add to all of this is if you add passion to the stamina, Mm -hmm. that's when I think you have something even deeper, which is like grit. And, you know, and I know these days that's been something that's been talked about a lot is like, you know, having grit and grit is really the ability to summon these three elements. So endurance, stamina, and passion. And I think Mm -hmm. if you can bring all of those things together, you know, it allows you to continue going without ever giving up despite not achieving what you set out to do, which really reminds me of the Maple Leafs. Like I think this whole series, All or Nothing, was really a study on grit. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. it was heartbreaking to get at the end, but you didn't get a sense that they felt defeated or weren't going to try like exactly you know like it and in fact it's kind of like i want to see what's going to happen in 2022 or in this in our case what's going to happen in 2023 to me it's like wow like that was a whole study and demonstration of grit and that's when again you combine endurance like physical endurance with your psychological mindset of stamina and then your passion. Like clearly these guys were passionate about hockey, right? There's something that they love about the game and you can't help but feel infected by their enthusiasm. And yet they had a really great mindset that was kind of put there by Dubas and by Keith. And then at the same time, you know, they were able to kind of put their endurance all together because they're they're strong players that you saw the grittiness in them. And exactly that's kind of what I thought, what I walked away with and what made me think about our kind of culture capital topic of endurance. When I do think about endurance and I think about mm-hmm. grit and I think about Filipinos for that matter, <laughs> I always think about the national animal of the Philippines. And for those of our listeners, yes, for those of our <laughs> listeners that don't know, the national animal of the Philippines is the carabao. Right. So for those of our listeners that don't know what the Carabao is, it's really a water buffalo in the Philippines (laughs) that can be also found in Guam and some other Pacific islands as well. They're really like a swamp like beast of burden is what they're sometimes known as. But it's interesting, like when I think about the Carabao, you know, this beast of burden represents, I think, some of our best Filipino values, which are about Mm. being hardworking because that's what Mm -hmm. the Carabao does. Lots of hard work and perseverance and endurance. And I think that these are two traits that are not only common in the Philippines, but also worldwide, right? Like I think when people think of Filipinos, they think of these two things that we're both hardworking and have lots of endurance and and perseverance in whatever it is we're doing. Whether it's like, oh, I'm working to have a good life to eventually bring that over. Even if it takes 20 years to do, I will do it, right? Mm -hmm. Again, we're seen as diligent individuals who work with a smile, which is kind of like what I was talking about earlier around kind of stamina, not having this fatigued mindset when you are doing an exercise over a long period of time. And I think to myself, like our immigration stories are very much characteristic of this idea of endurance and perseverance 
and having the long game of future generations eventually surviving and thriving. So when you think about endurance in Filipino culture, does anything else come up for you besides what I've mentioned? Or in addition? No, I just, I love the, the comparison for the Carabao because I was like, well, I think you caught it. And I think yeah. that it, it's emblematic of us as Filipinos that we are hardworking and persevering. And I think those touch upon what endurance is. Yeah. I think it's a great analogy. Yeah, I think so too. I think to myself, you know, all of what we've just talked about, Sigs, is really kind of like philosophical in terms of how to think about endurance mm-hmm. and grit yeah. and character and stuff like that. But I think you know this. I like to kind of operationalize things. It's kind of like, well, what does this look like? And I think to myself, kind of leads to our fixing of the week is to operationalize endurance and grit, you know, in terms of our character, just like the Carabao is (laughs) to have hope. And hope stands for hang on, pain ends, right? (laughs) And so that's kind of where I want to take our fixing of the week is to center on this idea of continue to have hope because the pain will end and it does and then you get to whatever the greatness is that you wanted to achieve i think that's a great way to end we love email we want to hear what you guys think about the docuseries all or nothing with the Toronto Maple Leafs and our discussion on endurance and the carabao mm-hmm. <laughs> email us at hollowhollowpopculture at gmail.com the hollow hollow podcast is available on apple Podcasts, stitcher podbean and wherever you get podcasts rate us leave a review and tell your friends about us you can find us on social media our twitter handle is at hollow hollow pop and on instagram at hollow hollow pop culture finally we receive editorial feedback from mary beth badian our musical theme is by chel turingen we'll see all of you guys again real soon see you guys soon